Hey everyone, welcome to High School Hoop Scoop, where your hosts, Coach Dave Goosen and the legend, Bort Escoto, discuss everything related to and surrounding high school basketball. Okay. Hey everyone, welcome to the High School Hoop Scoop podcast. I am your host, Coach Dave Goosen, and I am joined as always by my co-host, the legend, Coach Bort Escoto. Coach Escoto, how are you doing today? Doing well, Dave. Doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, as we discussed on our last episode, you know, I'm, I'm a little bummed out. Seems like things have kind of regressed a little bit and gone in the other direction. And as far as, uh, you know, being able to get back on the court, it seems like it's going to be uh, later than sooner. So, you know, I guess we just have to, I just got to keep reminding myself that things could be worse and, uh, you know, we just got to be patient. Well, I actually heard that some of the coaches who thought they were not going to be able to practice yesterday have come around and said that they didn't get canceled as expected. As of now, they're not canceled, but come Monday, it could be a different story. Yeah, yeah. Come Monday. And then the big date everybody, I think, is kind of looking towards right now is July 20th. The CIF office is supposed to uh, make some kind of announcement on July 20th in regards to really, really in regards to the plan for the fall. But I think that may affect the plan, you know, for the summer. I think if, uh, as expected, they, they announced that things won't get started until January. I think a lot of schools and school districts may shut down, you know, the rest of the summer in an abundance of caution. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to wait till uh, Monday comes around and Tuesday and see what happens. Yep. Yep. So anyhow, uh, moving on to a, a happier uh, space. I'm really excited for our guest that we have on today. He's somebody I've known for many years, very well respected in the basketball community and uh, he's the founder of uh, BTI, and uh, his name is Robert Eichhardt. Coach, happy to have you on today. How you doing? Hey, thank you guys for having me on, man. I'm, I'm honored. So, oh, no problem, no problem. So tell us, uh, in regards to the current climate in terms of the whole coronavirus and the shutdown, um, what how that's affected your program and um, you know, what are you guys able to do? If anything right now, are you guys able to have any workouts? Are you participating in any tournaments? How has that affected um, you know, everything that's going on right now with you guys? Well, it's affected our industry significantly in my club um, in regards to like uh, placing our 20, 20 athletes into four-year schools. It was very challenging obviously, to get those guys into four-year situations um, because they didn't have the opportunity to play in the spring uh, where there was going to be two weekends available for them to play in front of college coaches. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then in addition to, to COVID, there was also this influx of transfers. Um, got, you know, almost 1,000 guys on the portal. So what was happening for guys that are unsigned seniors, kids that were late bloomers, they weren't getting – the additional opportunities or, or scholarship opportunities because kids were transferring from so many schools. So college coaches were, were kind of basically in the, in the transfer market. 
um, rather than the unsigned senior market, where normally you have some terrific, you know, especially in SoCal kids that are late bloomers that had great senior years that took off and are ready to to showcase themselves in that spring that they uh, that they've made another jump in their game. Those guys weren't able to do that. So um, so we tried to you know, do as best we can and placing guys into division one, two, three, NAIA and prep school situations, junior college situations. Um, you're seeing a lot more guys go the JC route just because, uh, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, in regards to, you know, are we going to be able to play? Is there going to be a college season next year? And and what is, what are your feeling? What is your gut feeling in terms of the college season? Do you think that we'll have a season do you think it's going to start late? Do you think it will be an abbreviated season? What is your gut feeling, even if it's not really necessarily based on any, you know, information you have or anything? Just just your personal gut feeling. How do you think things are going to play out, you know, for the college season? Yeah, I mean, I spend probably two to four hours of my day talking to college coaches. And that's one of the questions okay. that I bring up um, all the time is, is there going to be a season? Um, and I, I've. Basically, I, I think um, from the information I gathered, there's going to be some type of modified season. Um, and when I say modified, like I don't think they're going to be able to start in November like they normally do. I think it'll be, um, you know, after the new year, once this thing calms down. Um, so I, I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be modified in terms of games played as well. So I, I don't see guys having a 35, 40 game season. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of, of uh, schools just going with their league, with their conference and, uh, and maybe a, a game or two before that. So um, the, the problem becomes if that is the case, a lot of athletes might end up deferring mm-hmm. and meaning deferring this, this season and not going to school. So for example, if it were my son, let's say he's a junior at, you know, whatever school, um, Stanford, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I would probably tell him, Hey, there's not going to be a season or a modified season where you're only going to play 15 games or something like that. It may make sense to, to um, sit out this year, work on your game, uh, kind of take a gap year, maybe do an internship at a law firm or do a, uh, you know, an internship, volunteer work in the community or do something, keep yourself busy, take a couple classes online and work on your game mm-hmm. um, and not lose that whole year of uh, where it's where it's going to be a modified season. So I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of people exercise that option, especially upperclassmen. Yeah, that um, might have their, their last year. You know, yep. there's, there's been there's even been some speculation that that may go on to a certain extent at the high school you know, level, uh, kids, you know, maybe doing homeschool or, um, you know, reclassifying or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I know me personally, uh, I'm, I feel really lucky that my son, you know, who, you know, Dylan, um, mm-hmm. is not in going into high school yet. You know, he's got one more year. He's going into eighth right. grade. Otherwise I'd be panicked. Um, as yeah. to, you know, what would, you know, like you say, the unknown, is there going to be a season? Is it going to be a modified season? And even if there is a season, you know, how much would it suck to, you know, have a modified season where instead of getting to oh, play yeah. 30 games and, you know, you get to play in all these Christmas tournaments, which, right. you know, possibly could go by the wayside. You know, the kids that 
are going to be going into high school or even in high school are going to wind up getting cheated out of half a season or, you know, the, the club, the uh, tournament season. So I feel really fortunate and I'm not sure what I would do if my son was in high school. You know, I think I might consider doing something like, you know, a year of homeschool or um, I don't know. I mean, you know, exploring my options, Mm -hmm. I would hate to, you know, lose out on a year and lose out on that year of exposure. So yeah, absolutely. Interesting to see. Well, uh, take us back a little bit. Let's take a step back and tell us how and when you started BTI and kind of, you know, why you started it and tell us, you know, kind of the beginnings of BTI and, and how you got it going and where it's come to today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had just wrapped up, I was kind of wrapping up college and I had just wrapped up coaching while I was in college. My last couple years, um, I ended up coaching at Muir High School. And at that time, Rocky Moore was a coach. This was 93 to 96. And at that time, John Muir High School in Pasadena was a, a top, top 10, top 15 program uh, in Southern California uh, and top 20 in the state. You know, during that time, it was guys like Jock Vaughn. It was an influx of Division One players there. Um, it was a high-level program. So when I got done, I, uh, I started working with Rich Goldberg in the ARC, you know, programs. Yep. Um, and uh, also we're doing some stuff with the pumps at their camps. And so I was bouncing around doing stuff in, in LA with, with Izzy Washington. Yep, and uh, so Izzy both, yes, yeah, Slam and Jam. So both Izzy and Rich, they were, I mean, if you trace the roots back to Southern Cal AU, that was, that was the Adam and Eve of <laughs> AU basketball. It, it started with them. A- absolutely. So I know a lot of people say they've been doing it forever, but though, if you, you could trace the roots back and those guys were, the ones that they they had all the top players back in the uh, late 70s, you know, to, you know, early 80s um, and really took this thing to the next level. But um, so I was trying to decide what I was going to do. And the pumps had called me and said, hey, our buddy Ben Howland is at northern Arizona. There's an opportunity for a restricted earnings position. And uh, at that time, I had met with Ben and w- was thinking of doing that. And uh, I ended up sitting down with Rich Goldberg and he was like, hey, um, he had a lot of confidence in me as as a young coach. And he said, hey, I'm not going to do the high school stuff anymore. So why don't you take over the the AAU high school team? And at that time, Luke Walton was on that team. Uh, Casey Jacobson was a sophomore. Um, They had just had a monster team with like the Ware Twins or with the uh, not the Ware Twins, the Collins Twins previous year and, and had merged with guys like Dart Stamps and like. Baron Davis was on that team, the Collins twins, Tayshawn Prince. Um, So Rich says, hey, you could take over the team. Um, So I ended up coaching that that team, basically, and um, had an amazing experience. It was it was my kind of team, a lot of high academic, you know, kind of smart, high IQ basketball players, but guys that could really, really play at a high level. I mean, Luke, Luke is still to this day the smartest player I've ever seen. you know, or ever coached um, on the court, but uh, Casey was terrific. And so I had a great experience there. And then um, Rich said, Hey, once you keep this thing going, you could do a youth team and, uh, or a couple youth teams at that time, there wasn't so many travel teams. ARC had all the travel teams in the Valley. There was a handful of different organizations, but 
if you were really a higher level kid, you were probably playing in the ARC umbrella under one of their teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took a 13, a 14. Matter of fact, Gilbert Arenas was on that 14U team, um, even though he was a he was a freshman at, at Birmingham. So he came back and played on that on that team. Um, and uh, I decided at that point um, I wasn't going to coach college. I was just going to try to be an entrepreneur and, and work under the ARC umbrella and create BTI as a skills training program. Um, and at that time, there wasn't as many trainers. Now the market is, is obviously saturated. Yep. There's more trainers than there are players, yep. I think. But back then it was like you had maybe golf coaches or, or you had hitting instructors, pitching coaches. You didn't really have a lot of basketball trainers. So I kind of, yeah, I kind of immersed myself in the game. I was a junkie going to practices, going to high school practices, going to college practices, um, NBA practices, learning from as many people as possible. And then I put together a series of clinics and was doing private training. And um, I had a no dribble league. So it was a a live league for kids that that, uh, played in the fall. Um, and weren't allowed to dribble the whole game. So it improved guys' vision and skills with moving without the ball, catch and shoot release. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so uh, I, I just kind of continued to build it. And uh, three or four years after that, um, Rich didn't really have an interest in the high school program anymore. So I just kind of said, hey, I'm going to just, you know, have my teams under the BTI umbrella. And uh, in addition to the skill training programs that I had under BTI, um, I started to have my teams go under BTI. And uh, it was a team with guys like Drew Hausman. I don't know if you remember Calabasas. um, Drew from Calabasas that played for Russell. And I had a team basically that year with six kids going to Ivy League schools. And um, we had made a a national splash by beating some of these high-level teams with NBA guys. And uh, and I just had a great group of kids that loved to play together. They really understood how to play the game. They were high IQ guys. They can shoot it. They were tough. And so at that point, I I thought, hey, six guys going to Ivy League. Um, I didn't really realize or know how powerful the Ivy League was at that time. I just thought, wow, this is kind of cool. And um, and so at that point in the early 2000s, I said, I think this is a niche. Yep. Um, and I enjoyed coaching those kind of kids that were disciplined, that enjoyed going to class. And, um, you know, these kids were phenomenal, you know, just off the court and well-mannered. I didn't have to chase guys down the street in hotels. And, you know, I, I, I slept good at night when I was in Vegas on the road with these guys. I didn't have to worry about you know, them being out late at night. Um, it was just, yeah. So it just, I enjoyed, you know, coaching high character guys. And then I felt like that would be my identity while um, a lot of guys were chasing, you know, the next pro I was chasing the next medical doctor, attorney, investment banker. Like I wanted guys that had a life plan after basketball. And I felt like if they had a passion for the game and a passion for life after basketball, uh, we could create something, you know, really, really unique. And so, um, and that's kind of where it just started to take off. And we started to kind of be a a great um, bridge to some of the top high academic schools in the country, not just the Ivy League, but, um, you know, some of the other schools on the West Coast, Midwest. Yep. And uh, we've had kind of a an array of 
kids at all levels. So whether you're a, a division three kid that wants to find a cure for cancer and go to MIT or Caltech, we have those kids. We've had kids that, you know, even just recently, like a Zaire Williams or Drake London, Dexter Cano, kids that are high, high level, high major. Um, and we have a lot of mid-major kids and division two, division three. So we kind of can cater to anyone. Um, you know, you can, you can, join our program and we can find a route for you to get to, to any level. Um, but we've enjoyed the high academic kid, the kid that's a little bit more disciplined in the classroom and loves, loves going to class and, and has a life plan after basketball. And, um, and, and I think that's for us, that's kind of our identity. Yeah. Why, well, I, why, I, I, why do you think that you said earlier that, um, when you first started out, and you, and you took me back with those names, Izzy Washington and Rich Goldberg, and I remember when I first started, we only had pretty much Slam and Jam and ARC, and that was pretty much it. There was nobody else. Why is it yep. that yep. when you started, there was hardly any basketball trainers, and I remember when you started training, and now mm-hmm. there's trainers everywhere. Why Why so many? On trainers? every corner. Everywhere there's trainers and travel ball teams. Why so many all of a sudden do you think? I think because there's an opportunity for income, um, people do love the game, and then there's an opportunity opportunity for income. So someone that played a little high school ball and had a good career um, can now, you know, get out of college or maybe not even get out of college, just stop playing and say, hey, I want to train guys. And, um, and, and there's really no one kind of governing um, training. You know, you can – I mean, you could just be a trainer. You could say tomorrow, you know, maybe you didn't even play basketball. You could say, you know what, I'm going to be a, a basketball skill trainer. Um, and some guys will work out with an NBA guy or feed them for a couple hours, and now they're an NBA skills trainer. Um, and I, I'm in no position to judge people's, you know, craft or skill level, but uh, but there's no governing body that says, okay, you have to get a certain degree or a certain amount of training. Um, you can just all of a sudden become a skills trainer. And once basketball took off, I mean, it used to be soccer. Everybody played soccer, but now everybody's playing right, basketball. Yeah. Um, it's just a great sport. It's, it's fun. You know, the kids get to interact. Um, you know, every kid kind of gets involved. Where in football, you're kind of limited to specific roles. Um, basketball is just a great sport. And uh, so now there's a lot of, vocational opportunities within basketball because of the amount of kids playing. Don't you think that hurts Um, the game though? Yeah, I I think so. I think, um, look, I mean, even when I started um, training, um, there were things that I did back then that I wouldn't do now. And I always tell, yeah, I always tell parents like, you know, be careful and, and evaluate. I mean, if you want activity, if you want your kid to have some activity, yeah, somebody can work your kid out and uh, and drill him, and he'll get a good sweat, and maybe he'll have some fun, and he'll learn some moves and things like that. But um, if you really want, you know, what I call like transferable skills that will help him, um, then it's important that you go to someone that's qualified and do some research. Um, so I, I think now. Um, like I was telling a couple of my trainers, if you're going to train a high school guy now, um, let, let's say, you know, whatever, he's at Harvard Westlake, Silmar, Royal, whatever high school, 
it's important that you connect with that high school coach and get on the same page with him so that the skills that you are teaching are going to allow him to have success in that program. Um, so, because if you're just going to have him doing nine dribble moves um, and he's going to go play for locking out of high school, well, that ain't going to work <laughs> because, right. you know, um, and, and locking out is a terrific program, but they play a certain way and you better learn how to come off screens and, and you ain't going to be able to dribble eight, nine times in that system. So I think it's important that coaches or trainers now connect with the high school coach and say, Hey coach, I'm, I've got this kid in your program. What are some important skills that we can work on that will allow him to have success in your program while simultaneously giving him some additional skills to like, you know, maybe improve his overall skill level. Um, Cause maybe he's got a role board for you where he's not going to play the point because you've got a better point guard. Right. Um, so you still want him to maybe work on some point guard skills. If he's five ten, work on some ball handling and things like that. But you also want him to have success in his high school program. Um, so I think that's where there's a disconnect um, where trainers are just kind of into activity and with social media. Now it's like, Hey, I can, I can have my kid dribble, you know, six times, eight times through, through cones and through, uh, you know, a, a, a swamp of alligators <laughs> and come out of there and go make a move. Well, I, I think you it's know? great that you're doing that because I've never heard of any trainer ever coming up to me or any other coach that I know and said, hey, what's your system like? I'm going to train your kid. I'm going to work with him and uh, let me know what you're doing so he can I can teach him some things that he can fit right in with you. I, I've never heard of that. And if you're doing that, I think that's admirable. And I also think it's about time that somebody does that. Yeah, and I, I haven't been doing as much training just because the program grew. Now we have 24, 24 teams. So I've spent mo most of my time managing the teams and directing the coaches. But guys that are training now in my program, I'm telling them that that's something that they should implement into their philosophy. Um, and, then, and then also, like, you know, obviously, if it's, a, if it's an eighth grade kid, um, he's going into high school, there should be some skills uh, that that kid should be should be able to master before he goes to high school. So, you know, whether it's, you know, how to draw and kick, how to move without the ball, how to come off a screen, you know, uh, some help defensive principles, like all those things should be, there should be some type of uh, governed, um, fundamental skill-based, you know, program that these kids have to be held accountable to. And that's, that's why you're seeing kids in Europe um, they're not as big and strong as athletic, but they're, they're way more skilled. Um, and they've taken a lot of NBA jobs. <laughs> if you look across the rosters. So coach, let me ask you this, because I get asked this, you know, a lot. Um, and obviously, you know, you're somebody that I respect a, a ton. Um, so this may help me, you know, answer some of these questions. What advice would you give, to kids now obviously you know the, the the big time players and big time athletes don't have to worry about this what do you what advice would you give to that kid that's playing in high school and he's a really good player you know maybe an all-league kind of player and he's not quite there where he's getting recruited he's not getting looks what are some things that he can do you know, if, if a kid came to you and said, coach, what can I do to improve my chances of getting recruited? 
Yeah, I think the the biggest thing now is academic profile, um, because there's there's a lot more schools that that can offer you or recruit you if you have a high academic profile. So I think that's a it, that's your credit score. So it's your buying power at the next level. Now, if you're a you know a phenomenal talent, um, top 100 kid, you could pretty much go anywhere. But for the rest of the kids in the country, um, I think academic profile number one, and I think probably the most important skill now um, that's transferable is shooting. I, I think being able to really shoot the ball at a high level. Um, and then, you know, obviously size and athleticism um, are the two most important uh, factors in how high a level you can go. So if you're, you know, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten, then obviously that's, that's going to increase your options. If you're freaky athletic then that's going to increase your options. So you can't control the, the physical development part, you know, in terms of how tall, but you can control, I think, athleticism on some level, you can improve mm-hmm. it to the max. Um, and uh, I mean, you're not going to be Russell Westbrook if that's not how God made you out to be, but, but you can max out your, you know, your athleticism and get as fast as you can and be in as good a shape as you can and, and just have a really good skill set, you know, be a good passer and, uh, you know, and be an elite level shooter. I think that is, you can control that, you know, that's discipline, good form, get in the backyard or get to the gym every day and get shots up and become an elite level shooter. Um, I think that will help um, significantly. Yeah. I guess, yep. I agree. So, yeah. What's opened up the most doors is academic profile. I think that's, um, SAT um, and GPA um, that really opens up a lot of doors for kids. Yeah, that's something that I think that uh, you know kids don't really realize. Um, so that's you know that's really good advice, and that that's something that I will I've always given that same advice as well. But uh, you know something that all coaches should be really you know advising and and you know parents and. Um, you know, anybody that's advising these kids should really hammer that home. Well, coach, this was uh, a ton of fun mm-hmm. and uh, really informative. And uh, I know my, uh, our audience uh, will really enjoy this. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as we did. And uh, we look forward to having you on again soon. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Thanks a lot, coach. Be safe. Oh man. Anytime.